o'clock service. Come on, here it up for the six o'clock. All right, all right, I like it. Um, so we, uh, yeah, yeah, last night, as I said, last night was um, our Oktoberfest. How many of you were here for Oktoberfest? Okay. Every other service has woo, because, uh, you know, they're excited. But y'all raised your hand very dutifully and calmly. I like it. Um, so, yeah, Oktoberfest was a lot of fun last night. We had a ton of kids. We were just talking about it um, back in the green room a second ago, and, and they were saying, uh, can't believe nobody got hurt. Uh, <laughs> and we had, there was a bounce house and like 700 kids in the bounce house at one time. Um, it, was, it was amazing. Pastor Troy was in charge, though, and he had everything locked down. It was great. Um, we had a one, yeah, you can clap for Pastor Troy. Hold on, this is, this is really bugging me. Give me a second. Keep clapping, keep clapping. I'll be right back. Nobody say a word. All right, you can stop clapping. Oh, that's embarrassing. Stop it. He's had it too much. Uh, so I wanted to thank, and, and they were here at the first service, but uh, Jeff Hunt and Katie Perkins, who did a lot of work to try and pull all of that together, and then uh, and also Joey Rust, who is here all day long cooking ribs and, and sausages and, and, and all, bratwurst and all those different things. And, and so if you, see, if you know any of them and you see them, please just say, hey, thanks for all you did to, to put that all together. And if you were there and you didn't know there were ribs, you should pay closer attention because uh, they were amazing. Uh, you just had to know where to look. Uh, so uh, we are in the, uh, the, the third part of our sermon series, You're Not the Boss of Me. And it's You're Not the Boss of Me trying to, how to say no to the emotions that try to control us, right? And it all stems from uh, Jesus, this encounter that he has with the Pharisees in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15. He tells the story there. And, and Jesus and the disciples are walking along, the Pharisees jump down on them. They're like, hey, man, how come your, your disciples aren't ceremonially washing their hands? They're ignoring the traditions of the elder. And, and if you remember that Jesus says a couple of things, and then he brings it home to a point. He goes, and what, what goes into your mouth eventually just comes out and goes into the sewer, right? And can you imagine when, when Matthew is sitting here writing, writing the gospel, and somebody's looking over his shoulder going, did he really say that? Yeah. You're going to put that in the Bible? Like, this is going in the Bible. Like, this is kind of risque for Jesus. Well, he said it. He said it in red letters, so it has to be in there. Thank you. I know. I thought that joke was really funny, and it hasn't hit every time. The Baptists, people who read red-letter Bibles, they all think that's really funny. Um, so, yeah, and, and so he goes, what, what goes into your mouth just goes back out into the sewer. God isn't concerned with that. What God is really concerned about is is what comes out of your mouth. Because what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart, and that's what defiles you. Not, nothing you eat is ever going to defile you, but what comes out of your heart, man, that's where all those evil thoughts come from. That's where guilt, that's where lust, that's where greed, that's where arrogance and folly, and that's where tonight's topic, envy, come from. All of those things come from the heart. And so what what Jesus is pointing to, same thing that Solomon said, is, man, you better guard your heart. Doesn't matter all this outward signs. It's what is inside that God is really concerned about. And so we come to envy. Envy is uh, jealousy. You could say it jealousy as well, but envy is a better word, right? Because it's a little more evil. It sounds a little more sinister. It sounds like envy, like you should be doing something like this. <laughs> envy. You know, it's just this word that when you say it, 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 it immediately starts conjuring up some sort of feeling inside of you. And what envy is, is it's, it's essentially looking at what somebody else has or where they are and wanting to be that or them or get what they have and all those different things. It, 
It's this emotion inside of us that drives us into competition. It drives us into competition with people who, for the most part, don't even know we're in a competition with them. Right? It's this thing that we're competing against somebody to try to have what they have or be who they are or wear what they wear or live what they live or drive where they drive or, or do all these different things, and they don't even know the competition's going on. And, and what makes it so bad is, is that when, when we compete with someone and, and we win, we become arrogant. We're like, man, I'm so much better than they are. Man, I've destroyed her. Bam! What? Or if we lose, we become depressed. See, there's no win in comparison. There is no win that comes from comparing. There just isn't. In fact, Solomon says it this way. Envy rots the bones. That's a picture right there, right? I mean, that is a beautiful picture that Solomon says. Proverbs 14. Envy rots the bones. It just gets in there and it just destroys everything. Is anybody on Instagram in here? Any Instagram folks? A few people confessing. Um, How about Facebook? More Facebook people? Um, So the Instagram stuff, right? Have you ever been on Instagram and you've ever been, um, like I have an Instagram account on my phone. It's not actually my account. It's Grace's account because Grace loves to look at pictures. And so Instagram is full of pictures, right? And and so she loves to, to look through these pictures and everything, and she just swipes through and just has such joy looking through these, looking at your lives and looking at the things that you do. And, and she's very clear about what she likes and what she doesn't like. There are t- she'll be flipping through like boring, 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 boring. <gasps> she finds one. She'll start po- poking on it, and, you know, and I think it's a little heart that lights up, and you're like, wow, this, you know, I got liked 7,000 times. Yeah, just by one little girl, but that's all right, man. You feel good about yourself. I mean, and so much so that she'll bring it to us and she wants us to print a picture. We have to screenshot it, crop it down, print a picture. So we have some pictures of you lying around our house. I hope that's not creepy for you. Uh, <laughs> it's just, is what it is, right? You know, um, and, and so she just loves doing this. And And it's great, and that's great for grace because grace doesn't operate the same way mentally that the rest of us do because grace isn't looking at those pictures and comparing anything about her life to those. What she is doing is just seeing the beauty of whatever it is that you faked and put up on Instagram. But see, the rest of us look at those things, and the rest of us look at those things, and we compare ourselves to what you have posted. We look through those things, and we're like, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser right? And we put it away and we're like, this is horrible. I don't want to look at it again. And then it just comes right back out. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. Like you all post your vacations and you go to these wonderful places and it's even places that I've been and I look at it and I'm like, man, they had a much better time at that vacation than I did, right? In that place. How did they do that? That's amazing. That you, you post pictures of your kids. Have you ever looked at your, your Instagram feed and you see these pictures of these kids and all the things that they're doing and you look at your own kids and like, well, what's wrong with you? Right? Why aren't you doing that? Why can't you do those things? Why aren't you better? Or maybe you look at your spouse, like best husband in the world or best wife, like looks at this. Hey, Jenna, look what this person just put down in front of her family as a meal. Why aren't you cooking for the meatloaf again? Really? This is what you're bringing us? Look at this. Other people are doing amazing things. What are you doing? Right? It's just this comparison thing where we just compete with these people who, by the way, can we all just be honest about this? Instagram and Facebook are the highlight reels of our lives. Like there's no real truth there. It is just what we want people to see and we're gonna crop it and filter it and shape it and pose it in such a way that it's gonna be like, my life is amazing and yours is horrible. 
It rots the bones. When we look at these things and we begin to this competition for people who don't even know we're competing with them, and we begin to compare and we begin to let envy control us, what Solomon says is it rots the bones. But then he goes on and he tells this story. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is where I am. He says this, Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. Most people are motivated to achieve, to success, for their ambition, for what they want to go, for their goals, because of what they see other people doing. They, they, they are judging where they are in life based upon where someone else is. They're looking at the scoreboard on someone else's game. Don't look at the Cowboys right now. And, and they're judging themselves on that based on their own life. And what he says is this, he goes, I, I see all these people who are judging their success by the envy of their neighbors, but this is meaningless, ridiculous, we would say. This is stupid, this is crazy. And he, and he gives another beautiful word picture. It's like chasing the wind. You ever chase the wind? Like as a kid, you know what I'm talking about? It, it, like you ever see, like in some areas of the country, you know, where they have fall? And these, and these leaves like begin to fall down and then like the wind goes and you, you're, like, you're, you're just a little kid and you're just running after it and you're just trying to, you can't chase the wind. You can't ever catch the wind. It just continues to go on and on. It's a futile effort. And so what he's saying is when you're trying to build your life upon the, upon the success of other people, it's like chasing the wind. It's meaningless. It's ridiculous. Why are you trying to do something you will never be able to do. You'll never be them. You'll never be as good as them. You'll never be as rich as them. You'll never drive what they drive. You'll never have a house as big as them. You'll never have a wife or a husband as beautiful and handsome as them. You will never have those things. There will always be an er. You know what the er is? Newer, bigger, faster, stronger, funnier, except in my case. Thank you. Front rows, yeah. There will always be an error. And so, on the face of it, this is the worst motivational speech ever. Right? This is like, might as well pack it in. Someone is always going to beat you. So, why even try? But he answers that with his next line. He says, Fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. Only a fool would go, well, I can't compete with anybody. I can't achieve what all those other people have. There will always be somebody who outdoes me, so I might as well do nothing. It's like, no, that's crazy. When you do that, you're just, you'll fall into ruin. That's not what God has planned for you. And then he says, and yet, better to have one hand full with quietness or tranquility than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're not going to get in this comparison game. We're not going to try to do these things that other people are trying to do. And we're not going to compare ourselves and where we are based upon where someone else is. But we're also not just going to sit aside and do nothing. We've got to, we've got to move and we've got to try something. We've got to be ambitious. We've got to say that God wants me to go this way, so I'm going to go this way. But we have to keep it in perspective. One, one handful of tra with tranquility... It's not a word we use very often these days, but with quietness, this translation also says, with, with restfulness, with peace, 
is so much better than two full of stress and turmoil. I mean, how many people at the end of the day come home and they're like, oh man, but I don't have time for my family because I still got to do some work. I still got to achieve. I still got to do those things. And you wake up in the middle of the night and you remember those emails that you haven't yet returned. And so you wake up to return those emails in the middle of the night. And then you wake up early and you get to the office early. You don't even see your kids wake up because you're already gone. And then you come home later and you're just striving and striving and striving. For what? He says. Yeah, you may have success, but at what cost? And then he tells a story to illustrate this. He says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a son or a brother. And what he's saying here is he has no one to leave his inheritance to. Without a son or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? You may be this, the more popular translation says, for whom am I toiling? Who am I doing all this for? Like, like really? Who, who am I out there outworking every, everybody, going, waking up early and, and coming home late and just wearing myself to the bone, burning the candle at both ends is never a good scenario, right? No one ever says that. It's like, man, he's burning the candle at both ends. Good for him. What, what, what am I doing this for? Who, is, who am I trying to prove something to? Because a lot of times that's what it is. A lot of times we're in this competition with somebody who doesn't even know we're in a competition with them. And we're trying to outdo them and we're trying to outpace them and we're trying to beat them because they're evil. And we just want to beat them and we don't want to put them into the ground because their Instagram photos are so pretty and wonderful. Dislike, right? And I want to do everything I can to be better than them. And other times what we're envious of, what we're jealous for is that pat on the back that we're jealous for that person to say, hey, I'm proud of you, good job. You finally did it. Is there somebody in your life that you're trying to prove something to? Is there somebody in your life that you're working, that you're hard, that you're jealous for that approval? For a lot of us, it's our parents, it's our dad or our mom. We're trying to prove and we're trying to, we're jealous for their approval. And so we're working hard and we're, we're trying to do everything we can. And, and for some folks, that person isn't even alive anymore. And yet there they stand with two hands, just grasping everything they can, striving. And their life is full of stress and turmoil, full of broken relationships and burned bridges, all because they're trying to prove something to someone who can't give them what they want. They're jealous for something, and it's just eating them up inside. I, I, I have to tell you, I, I, my father, however he raised me, he did a lot of things that were um, not, so, not so great. Um, a lot of stuff, you know, anger is next week. Check. Um, but I don't feel like I have to prove anything to him. I, I don't feel like he sits there and looks at me and judges what I do and, and how successful I am. I hear him say all the time, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Dad, we had three people at the prayer service yesterday. Man, that's great, you're still doing it. I'm so proud that you're still doing it. You know, he just, just says that all the time. And I don't know if it's because he didn't hear it growing up and so he made that change in his own parenting. But I know for some folks that is just 
driving them. But I will tell you this. I compete with my brother. And I've competed with my brother most of my life. My brother is six years older than I am. Um, he's really, really smart, like really smart. Like he got paid to go to college. You want to, you know, those nerds that get, you know, they have so many scholarships that after tuition and books and room and board, he was bringing in like $300 a month, you know, for just beer money, honestly, right? But he was so smart that he could spend $300 on beer and still get straight A's. It just, you know, one of those kids that nobody likes, you know, all of us C students want to punch you in the throat, right? Because you ruin the curve all the time. And, and so I have this guy who's trailblazed this academic path and here I come and I'm like, yeah, but I'm funny. But here's the thing, he's pretty funny too. He's done stand-up comedy in New York City, right? I mean, that's big time. He's done these uh, on stages in New York and he's He's really, he's got a different sense of humor. I don't think it's very, you have to be really smart to get him is what I'm saying. Um, but, uh, yeah, and yeah, so, so I've, I've spent years um, comparing myself and being compared to him a lot of times. And that's not from him. He's never once looked at me and said, yeah, what grades did you get? Never once did that, it was from my side, right? never did anything healthy for our relationship whatsoever. Is there somebody that, somebody that's in your life that you're looking at and comparing yourself and you just feel envious over? Or, or, or you're jealous for their approval and you just want to hear well done and you've, you're working so hard to get that pat on the back and it just isn't coming? Is, is, is there somebody that you just, or, or maybe this, maybe social media is, is really bad for you. Maybe social media is this trigger for you that every time you look at it, you just feel yuck inside because you compare yourself to every false thing that people are putting up there. You compare yourself to all the perfect meals and to all the perfect dates and all to the perfect anniversaries and to the perfect children and to all those different things. And you see all those stuff and you look at the reality of your own world, which they live in as well, and you just go, God, maybe it's time to cut that stuff out, right? Just put it away. Delete your accounts. Commit Facebook just. It's very hard to do, by the way, once they get your, their fingers into you. But may, maybe you need to take steps away from those things. If anything is causes, stirs up this, this anguish inside of you, if you're doing something and it causes envy to rise, stop doing that. Because what Solomon said is, is, is Solomon, uh, is envy brings rot to the bones. I don't, I don't know if you know what the word rot means, but that's not good. If you ever have a doctor say your bones are rotting, come for prayer. It's so important for us to find these things and these triggers. Because what he says before the rotting of the bone thing and what he says in this illustration, man, I did this at 11 o'clock too. I got ahead of myself. What he says is, um, for whom am I working? Why am I doing all this stuff? And then he says this, why am I giving up so much pleasure now? Like, I'm doing all of this hard work. I'm working more than anybody. And I'm so successful, but I have no one to leave it to. Who am I doing this for? And why am I depriving myself of the pleasure that God has intended for me right now? See, that, that's the whole thing. And, and that's where God has a plan for your life. And it's not his plan or it's not her plan. 
God has a race for you to run. He gave you certain gifts and ability and graces and called you to live in a certain place and a certain time. And he said, this is the race I long for you to run. Not his race, not her race. Because those aren't for you and they're gonna be special and they're gonna do amazing things, but they can't do what you do. So stop looking at them and stop comparing yourself to them because all that will do is bring rot to your bones. What Solomon says after this guy says, why am I missing so much pleasure now? He goes, it's, it's meaningless and depressing when you miss out on what God has planned for you. Jesus says, man, I want to give you this abundant life, but if you're trying to live somebody else's life, you're going to miss it. We went to Atlanta this past week, a, a few of us from staff, and we, we did this, uh, we went to a conference in Atlanta, and it was a great time to be in Atlanta um, as it was the hottest place in the United States while we were there. It was, it's really miserable, um, to be quite honest. And, and so we're, we're there, and it's this conference that I've gone to many times, um, but this time it was back where it started 20 years ago at the church that originally helped launch it at Andy Stanley's church, North Point in Alpharetta, Georgia. And I, and I have to tell you, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, uh, Andy Stanley's my mentor. Um, and he doesn't know that he's mentoring me, um, <laughs> but he's my mentor. And, uh, and I like, I, I read all of it. And the reason I say that is I read all of his books. I've read almost all of his books. And I listen to all of the teaching that he does, especially his leadership teaching. He does great leadership stuff that I use with our staff here. And, um, and, and I just really admire him and what he has done as a pastor and and so when we go, when I hear that the, they're hosting it this year, I'm like, I get all giddy and excited. I'm like, let's go to Annie's church, you know, and I'm so excited. And so we get, we get to Alpharetta and we're driving. We turn, we get on North Point Parkway is what it's called. And I'm like, they named a street after the church. This is so amazing. And to which, you know, there's a debate in the car. Uh, I bet the street name was first and they named the church after it. And I'm like, don't step on my dreams here. Um, and so we drive down and there's police blocking traffic so we can turn into the, uh, the North Point parking lot. And you come up over this hill, you crest this hill, and there's this beautiful building. I mean, it's massive building that's just done so well. I mean, it was really, the architecture uh, was great on it. And, and there's this big grassy field that you have to walk across where we parked. We had to walk across this grassy field as we're going. And, and so we get out and, we're, and I'm all excited. We're like, man, it's about, we're about to go into a worship service. It's, the, it's Wednesday evening. And and, and we're walking, and some of the, um, the ladies who were with us had uh, sandals on, and, and they could feel the grass, and they're like, oh, this grass feels so amazing. You know, just, and I was like, everything about Andy is perfect, his grass. Like, who wants to walk on our grass, right? We have mesquite trees that drop thorns, and we have a dog that takes little turds over there all the time. Like, I wouldn't walk barefoot on that grass over there. You know, but we're walking, across, floating across this cush grass, and, and we walk into his church, and, and people are there just like, hey, man, welcome. We're so excited to see you pumped up. And, all, and I know it's a conference, it's a little different, but we walk into their lobby, and it's just like, whoa, this is amazing. And we find our way into the East Auditorium. And it said that on, the, and I was like, well, I don't get East Auditorium. Like, where's the, where's the conference going to be? Because I didn't know this about their um, congregation, and, and it makes sense to me now, but I walk into the East Auditorium, and it's just this massive room with all these chairs, and it has a balcony, and their big stage where Andy preaches all the time, and they have this baptism um, that you have to go up to, this, you know, because they're Baptist people, and they <laughs> dunk them down, and, and so it's up high so people can see it, and, 
And at the time, there's a DJ in the baptism just spinning records, and it was just all this lights, and people were pumped and jumping around. It's so exciting. I'm like, this is amazing. But all the seats were pretty much taken or covered, and so we're like, okay. So we walk out the other way. I'm like, if there's an East Auditorium, maybe that means there's something else. And sure enough, there's a West Auditorium, right? And so we go into the West Auditorium. The West Auditorium was bigger. It was a little bit bigger. It was deeper. And the music was louder. It was just like, it was a different construction. Like in the East Auditorium, it was more, you know, 19, late 1990s um, Baptist, uh, you know, which is great. I mean, it was nice and lovely, the beautiful wood floor on the stage area. And, and then in the other side, it was like late 2000s, uh, you know, mid 2000s, like warehouse uh, with all these huge hang, you know, screens and speakers. You can see where the band worship team is going to be. And so what they do there is they have the East Auditorium is, is like right here. And then literally right behind the wall, they're connected by a wall. And they can walk back and forth between the two is the West Auditorium. And so when, on Sunday mornings, they have worship services going on at the same time. So they have a worship service in the East Auditorium for a little bit more reserved people. And honestly, that would be where I would go. The, the music in there was, is a little different and people dress a little nicer and, um, on the worship team and, you know, no rips in your pants or anything like that. And then on the other side, it's like a little bit younger crowd, and it, which I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting older. I want to be in the older person service and, and, and ripped jeans and like t-shirts and people just shredding on the guitar. And, and we experienced both of them and they were both amazing. But on Sundays, they'll have two different worship services going on until it's time for Andy to preach. And when Andy gets up and preach, he preaches from the east side and he gets up and he preaches. And on the west side, what happens, because we experience this, this ginormous screen just descends down, just comes down. And boom, up pops the east sanctuary. And it looks, it's just the same thing. It's east side and it's Andy standing right there. And two screens up here have Andy also, but the main one never changes. It's just, the, it's a static image of what everybody, so it's as if you were sitting on the east side looking straight at the stage. But here's the crazy thing about it. And there's two people who can verify this in the room who were there and because they were the ones who believed it. It looked as if Andy was in the room with us. I don't know what kind of screen it was. I don't know what they did, but it looked like, you know, because you look at a screen and you see an image and it's flat. This was not flat. And there, there was a time when this other guy was on there and he was doing this performance thing and Melissa, I'm calling you out, and Troy were convinced that the guy was in the room with this. And they're like, he's right up there on the stage. I'm like, no, he's not. He's on the east side. He's right there. And I was right. But, I, but it really did look like he was in there. So it's amazing. So it's like they're in the room with you. And I'm looking at all of this. It's just a, God, so cool. It's so amazing. This is huge. This guy does such amazing things. And then I get to church this morning. And, and I'm walking down the breezeway to my office because I park in the west side and I'm walking down and, and there's an asbestos tent blocking the pathway, right? And I'm like, oh, gosh. And so I have to walk around and come around. And then I'm thinking, oh, man, well, we have babies going that way. And now they're going to have to walk all the way around campus to get into the new nurseries. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And, but when I'm thinking about this, I send a text to our contractors going, hey, what about this asbestos tent? And I even went out to look at it and I think it's a big sham anyway, but to, to look at the asbestos tent and to see what I could do. And I decided that I, well, maybe I shouldn't mess with this. And I go back, which is shocking for me, to be quite honest. Um, and, uh, and then I get somebody says, uh, the internet's not working. I can't get these things to check the children into work. Can you come help me? <sighs> yes, I can. And I go over and I go help uh, with the internet, trying to get this new check-in system working. And, and then I go back to try, to try and um, really prepare for Sunday and 
and get everything together and ready. And, and then I hear that the, the, all of these speakers aren't working, this whole side. Um, none of those are working. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Seriously, it was working at the prayer service yesterday. What's happening? So I walk in here as if I can do anything. I don't know why. I'm like, well, did you turn it off and on? It's about all I got. <laughs> you know, it sounds tough. And I'm like, oh, man. So I'm texting our sound guy who put it in and trying to figure that out. And then I get a word from the contractor who's like, uh, well, you deal with somebody else about this. And I grab Troy and I'm like, we're taking it down, brother. Uh, and I pulled out my little red Swiss Army knife about this big flip the little blade up and starting to cut things away and pull it back and tape it up. And, you know, because when you're taking your baby to the nursery, you don't really want to walk by an asbestos field. It just doesn't scream great uh, and healthy. So, and, and so we're trying to cover it up and tape it so the word asbestos is not seen. Pay no attention to the masks behind this wall, right? And, and we're doing all these things, and I'm like, this wouldn't happen at Andy Stanley's church. You know, I bet Andy's not. I bet Andy walks in on a Sunday morning and people carry him to his office, present him with a croissant and, and some coffee and all these different things. And I get into this, this whole mentality. But, but then I look, you know what? But I'm not Andy Stanley. My dad isn't Charles Stanley, right? My dad is Don Crocker. And I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of who I am. And his story is great and it's wonderful, but if I slip into or trip myself into the comparison trap and the envy trap and the jealousy trap, all it does is going to rot my bones and make me feel depressed at myself. It is gonna make me just cower as to what we have not accomplished here and what he has, supposedly, right? And, and, and so what I, what I would do, what I do, did you just put something on here? Something just moved. Um, Justin, uh, what's his name, Jordan, not you, Peterson, uh, has a book called 12 Rules of, for Life, and he says this, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. I just, I love that quote, compare yourself, if you want to compare yourself to someone, compare yourself to yourself, of who you were yesterday, not to, I need to compare myself to who I was last year. How am I as a leader? How am I as a preacher? How am I as a husband? How am I as a father? Am I becoming more and more like the person God wants me to be? Have I, have I caught the path that God wants me to run and, and the race that he's laid out for me? And I, am I on that race? Not Andy Stanley's, because that's his. It's not mine. But how many of us look at other people's lives and we compare ourselves to that and we miss what God has in store for us? Because I gotta tell you, my life is great. I love it when I get to stand in front of the people that I care about and love so much. He stands in front of thousands of people and probably doesn't know very many of them at all. But I, but I get to hurt with you and I get to rejoice with you. I get to go into the hospital and you have a baby and see your baby and be the first one and brag about it to the rest of the staff. I was first. I, my life is the life that God had laid out for me. And if I try to walk somebody else's path, I miss the joys and the fullness of what God has designed for me. Are, are you looking at somebody else? You can look to somebody else for inspiration like I, I can look to Andy Stanley and say, man, there's some things that we want to implement around here. There's some things that we can, that can make us better at what we do here at St. Andrews that can help us 
proclaim the gospel message, that can help us in our small group movement, that can help us in our worship environment. There are things, yes, that we can be inspired by, but we are not going to be them. You can look at people for inspiration, but not for imitation. Because when you do that, it's meaningless. It's chasing after the wind because you're never going to be them. You were never meant to be. And the more you do meaningless things, the more you compare and the more you have jealousy and envy drive you, and the more you try to be somebody else that God didn't create you to be, the more meaningless you live, the more meaningless your life is. That's a hard statement, right? The more you do meaningless things, your life will become meaningless. I don't think anybody any of us want that. We want our lives to matter. We, 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 want our, we want our life here on this earth to make a difference for someone, to engage someone in such a way that maybe they get to know God the first time or, or on a deeper level. I think all of us want to do what God had designed for us. We can't do that. We're always looking at somebody else and wishing we were them. See, the truth of the matter is envy is not the boss of us. Envy does not control us. Because when we envy, we just chase the wind and you're never gonna catch it. So hear who God has called you to be. Hear, hear the race that he has for you to run. Because there is just but one person who I want to hear this from, who I want to be patted on the back by, who I want to be welcomed in and to loving arms and hear this words. Well done. Well done. You saw what I had for you. You didn't always get it right. Man, you stayed in your lane. You were the person I created you to be. Well done. Maybe that's who you can be too. Not me, because there's already one of me. Be you. And be the greatest you, you that you can be. And when you are, the kingdom of heaven will be better because of it. Let us pray. God, we, we thank you and praise you for the way that you move in our lives, for the way that you, that you give us these abilities and these gifts and these graces, and you've called us to live in a certain place and time. You've given us each a path Help us to know what that path is, to find the courage to walk along it, to hear your voice, to hear your words, and to obey. Help us, Father, to end this comparison game. And anytime we feel envy creeping up, anytime we hear this, you're not as good as her or him or, or whatever environment we walk into and we just feel like we're striving and holding two hands of stress and turmoil, Help us to remember that envy is not the boss of us. 
Help us to remember that Jesus called us not to compare ourselves to one another, but to love 